it should come as no surprise that yesterday, a judge in Arizona yet again ruled against the evidence, the common sense, and what was right before our eyes, the rigging of the election for the gubernatorial race in 2022 in the state of Arizona. Are we ever going to get any break? Probably not. Not trying to be negative. Just trying to be a realist. These judges are threatened, blackmailed, and the deep state is doing everything to make sure that Carrie Lake stays out of the governor's mansion like they are working overtime to make sure that President Trump does not return to the Oval Office. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And of course, they have their hacks in the media, giving the wrong narrative and the spin that Carrie Lake is just fighting for her political future and to raise money. And this is, this is all political. Discounting the fact that Arizonans know that Katie Hobbs, who followed the Joe Biden playbook of not even campaigning because they knew they were going to rig the elections in her favor. You have local Arizona news doubling down on the false narrative that Katie Hobbs actually won the gubernatorial race. I mean, of course she didn't have to campaign. We know that. She knew they weren't even going to verify the signatures and that it was going to come in her favor. How did she know that? (laughs) Because once again, in a blatant act of corruption, she was the Secretary of State overseeing the rigging of her own election. Your voice, your vote, a judge ruling against Carrie Lake in her claim that Maricopa County didn't review ballot signatures in last year's governor's election. And of course, don't worry, Arizonans, your local news is there to give you the deep state spin on what's going on. But political reporter Mark Phillips says while Lake promises to carry on the legal fight, she is also preparing for her political future. Kerry Lake refuses to take no for an answer. I am focused on our court case. It's not over. Lake says she will appeal Monday's ruling, which affirmed once again Katie Hobbs won the governor's race to the state Supreme Court. Jackass doesn't confirm that Katie Hobbs won. It confirms that everyone is corrupt, bought, sold, and and or blackmailed that can rule justly on this. Just because corruption continues doesn't mean that the players are clean. She says it's too early to say what the grounds for appeal are. But with her chances of legal victory diminishing, Lake is preparing for what's next. And on Tuesday, she announced what amounts to a major voter registration get out the vote campaign in advance of the 2024 election. We're not going to leave that to chance. We're not going to hit just 10% of the households. We're going to we're going to strive to hit every single person who's got a ballot. But we're also going to try to talk to them and we're going to talk to them about our policies. Carrie Lake was robbed. Which means the people of Arizona were robbed. 
But what do you do when you're trying to push a narrative that Katie Hobbs is the actual winner of the gubernatorial race last year and that Carrie Lake is out there just making noise? You bring in some, you bring in some hack political analyst, a Republican at that, to say this is all about money and her ramping up for her senatorial run. Republican political strategist Stan Barnes says there is logic behind Lake's insistence on appealing the election decision. It's likely to, to run out the political play of speaking to your constituency, your core constituency, and saying, I'm doing all I can in order to right the wrong and on the way, raising a great deal of money. A poll in April done by JL Partners on Arizona's Republican Senate primary showed Lake would clearly be the favorite of voters with 38%. Lake was clearly the favorite of voters to be the governor of Arizona. These polls mean diddly squat, except proof that elections are rigged. So if you put stock in these polls that showed that Carrie Lake was going to be Katie Hobbs, because she did, and then she didn't win, why would you keep telling the folks the polls are in that she's going to win the Senate? Just so you can rig that against her as well? And let's not forget, it's not just the gubernatorial race in Arizona that was monkeyed with. It was also uh, Abe Hamadi who got monkeyed with. But uh, we'll get into that here in just a moment. Carrie Lake wasn't ready to announce anything regarding the U.S. Senate today, but it's clearly on her mind. We need people who are fighting for Arizonans, and so it's on the back of my mind. I am considering it. I'll be honest. I am considering it. And that announcement will have to wait until another day. Because Carrie Lake's a fighter. She's going to take this all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court and further if she's able to, which if we go by the track record of stolen elections over the last several years... Uh, she's not going to get her day in court or they're just going to dismiss it on some sort of process. And she's a fighter. So if she can't get the gubernatorial race, which she won legitimately, and she's thwarted everywhere, she's not going to cower in a corner. She's going to go for the senatorial race. And I don't know what will come of that. Welcome to BCP Unfiltered. Appreciate your support and your subscription, folks. You make this show possible, and I am so happy to give you the news unfiltered without the shackles of censorship on platforms that respect free speech. A judge threw out the former gubernatorial candidate's final election challenge last night. All right, let me break down for you and fill in the missing pieces on what happened to Carrie Lake and how the judge erroneously made the wrong call. Okay, so Carrie Lake's attorneys revealed, using, of course, Maricopa County's own data, by the way, that Maricopa County did not accurately verify tens, if not hundreds of thousands of mail-in signatures. They couldn't possibly have because you can't do that in less than a second. That was shown that they didn't do it properly. But Judge Peter A. Thompson again ruled in favor of the defendants on Monday night, claiming that level one and level two signature review did take place in some fashion. Wow. 
It wasn't done properly, but they feigned to have done it, so that's good enough. I mean, the damn guy not even scrolling to the bottom, not actually verifying it, just popping up on a screen and just doing tap, 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 peck, peck, peck. Judge Peter uh, Peter A. Thompson said that signature review did take place in some fashion. Uh, yeah, piss poor fashion. This is a lie, of course. Who knows what kind of squeeze they have on Judge Thompson. But it does play into the Democrat Party's rigging of elections. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And of course, the philosophy that any ballot cast is a ballot count, even if it's wrong, even if it's fraudulent. But that's the America that we now live in. Carrie Lake attorney Kurt Olson told the court, quote, 11 of the signature verification workers approved 170,000 signatures at a rate of less than zero and 2.99 seconds with a 99.97 approval rating. In his closing arguments, Olson revealed that there were approximately 274,000 ballot signatures compared and verified in less than three weeks. But laws be damned. They must uphold the rigging and the selection, not the election. Now, there was a little bit of drama that happened at the press conference yesterday between Carrie Lake and a far-left reporter, Brom Resnick, who asked a nasty question. Let me play that for you. Brom, do you have a question from 12 News? When lawyers have lost every case they've tried, they've been sanctioned twice in two different courts for misleading the court, are you going to stick with them as you pursue this appeal? I, I know you love everything you just said. You think it's, yeah, well, we're, we're working in a very corrupt system, and you can't see it. I know that, you know. Are your lawyers part of that corruption? They, no, they're not, actually. I have incredible, I have incredible attorneys. Now, this is where it gets interesting. We know that Carrie Lake suffers no fools. She knows that this reporter, Mr. Brom from 12 News, is a hack. He is a very leftist journalist, and she calls him out on it. Going back to their history together. And I think the first time I met you, Brom, was at a story where you're always, what I'm trying to say is you're always on the wrong side. You're always on the wrong side. (laughs) We were at a story where we were fighting as mothers. I was leading a rally at ASU. It was 115 degree heat, leading a rally to get our students out of masks. And Brom was standing there rooting for our kids to be masked up. You're on the wrong side of history. And I remember distinctly that day because you refused to say the Pledge of Allegiance and put your hand on your heart. So that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. It's unfortunate. What comes next totally shows what a leftist-leaning Marxist hack he is because when leftists are exposed for what they are, they become... Little spoiled brat, petulant children, 
that go on character assassination and stray away from any sort of logical argument. I remember. And I'm keeping, let me answer the no, question. Yeah, all Mr. Brom, because all I remember that day is you making shiznit up. Real professional, Mr. Brom. Real professional. And guess who is professional? Carrie Lake, who was a journalist, knows how these hacks operate, and she keeps her cool. Not just keeps her cool, but she schools him. No, I didn't. I didn't make anything up. I, I, I'm right. Our children should not have been in masks. They shouldn't have been in masks. They're not healthy for our children. And you were there cheerleading for masks and vaccines, like you have been. You're cheerleading for Maricopa County to continue to run shoddy elections. And we're not okay with it, and that's fine. You don't have to say the pledge you're in America, but it tells me everything I need to know about where you stand with this country. There was some more back and forth there, but that was the juiciest part of it. And then Carrie Lake went on to, once again, paraphrase what was presented in the trial last week, which we covered in a previous episode. Now, that's not the only fight happening in Arizona over the rid, uh, rigged elections. We also have Abe uh, Hamaday also fighting over his rigged uh, loss as attorney general. What's very interesting here is that He's taking a different path, perhaps a, I wouldn't say a smarter one, just a different path because he sees what's happening over on the Cary Lake side. He just wants the get the treatment that the Democrats are always talking about, counting every ballot. Now, of course, we believe in counting every vote, every legitimate vote. Not every ballot, because many of those ballots are illegitimately cast ballots and aren't actual votes. Anyway, with a great breakdown of this is Dinesh D'Souza. So let me talk about the Hamaday lawsuit first. The um, Basically, Hamaday is asking for a new trial. A new trial, why? In order for him to show that there are thousands of ballots in the Arizona Attorney General race that were never counted. Now, we need to digest this for a moment because the left is always talking about democracy. We need to defend democracy. You have thousands of uncounted ballots. As Abe Hamaday's lawyer said in court, we're not alleging fraud. We're not talking about the fact that uh, the election was somehow rigged. We are saying that there are uncounted votes and that if you only count these votes, I'll win the election. The election was I mean, almost absurdly close. And so if Hamaday is right, there is no reason not to count the votes now. That's right. The same Democrats say there's no reason why every vote shouldn't count. Dead votes, fake votes, unverified votes, votes where we throw away the envelopes and we can't match the signatures between the envelope and the actual vote. Everything needs to count. Oh, oh, unless it's Abe Hamaday because, you know, he's a Republican. And all of us Democrats cheated to get here, and we want to stay here. Does anybody, even Democrats, believe that Democrats have any sort of integrity when it comes to applying the rules both ways? I'm sorry, folks. I could comment more on this, but Dinesh D'Souza does a bang-up job. Let me just play this last segment 
of his great breakdown of what's going on with Abe Hamidi, and then I'll give you my assessment when he's done. What is really eerie is to hear the counter arguments that are being made. First of all, it seems quite clear that the votes weren't counted because Katie Hobbs, let's remember that Katie Hobbs was the Secretary of State. She was running the election. And so she had administrative supervision, supervisory control over how this election was going to be handled. So the Democrat, who was herself running for governor, is orchestrating and overseeing the process. And somehow in this process, thousands of votes don't get counted. Now, um, this seems to me to be a pretty easy call. Um, true, um, Chris Mays, the victorious attorney general Democrat, is saying, no, 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 it's all over. No, 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 I've already been sworn in. No, 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 it's what's done is done. So their idea is that whatever happened, and they're not even contesting that these votes haven't been counted. They, they're basically saying there's no reason to count them now. Well, why not? Why would you, why would you in an election where there obviously was some impropriety, the impropriety here being uncounted votes? Um, you have, think of it, you have thousands of Arizona citizens who cast their ballots and they are being disenfranchised by their votes not being counted. I mean, imagine if there were 8,000 black voters whose votes weren't being counted. So it seems to me, and it's, it's in the hands of a Mojave County judge to make this decision, but it'll be very telling which way he rules because, um, because if he rules for Chris Mays, He's basically himself engaging in voter suppression, it seems to me. He's just siding with the Democrat. He doesn't want to cause to ruffle the process. He doesn't want to take an election that the Democrats are claiming is a done deal and throw it open to doubt. Um, it seems to me pretty clear Hamadeh won that election and yet has been has been deprived of it. And what he's trying to do is 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 affirm democracy, get those votes counted and let the chips fall where they where they may. And the chips are going to fall in favor of the Democrats because just like Kerry Lake, when you leave it in the hands of a judge who is compromised, blackmailed, or just plain corrupt, like Kerry Lake's judge said, oh, they, they counted the, uh, all, the, the votes, uh, the signatures were verified in some fashion. They're going to come up with some excuse going, look, it was already certified. Let's just let it go. Always let it go in favor of the thieves. Okay, there's quite a bit of uh, Trump news, so let's get into that now. Well, this is the breaking news that I'm holding in my hands. This is a letter from Donald Trump's attorneys to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, the letter uh, to the Attorney General says, We represent... Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States, in the investigation currently being conducted by the special counsel's office. And then they say what the letter is about in the final sentence of this very short letter. We request a meeting at your earliest convenience to discuss the ongoing injustice that is being perpetrated by your special counsel and his prosecutors, thank you for your attention to this matter. So there it is tonight, the Trump lawyers asking Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, for a meeting about special counsel Jack Smith's criminal investigations of Donald Trump, which, of course, include the documents investigation, which the Wall Street Journal 
reported today is very close to his decision on criminal charges in the documents case. This is the kind of letter and the kind of meeting that criminal defense lawyers request when they believe they have reached something close to the last minute to try to convince federal prosecutors not to bring criminal charges against their candidates. Of course, MSNBC makes it seem like President Trump is actually guilty of something. No, it's because probably we have yet another leak to the New York Times about where Jack Smith is headed and what he is up to. Remember, the decision to indict President Trump is already a foregone conclusion. He was guilty before they were ever even investigation or a Jack Smith special counsel even convened. But check this out. Special counsel Jack Smith's team of prosecutors subpoenaed records on Trump's foreign business deals since 2017, according to a leak, a leak to the New York Times. The subpoena sought information on the Trump Organization's real estate licensing deals in China, Turkey, France, Saudi Arabia, and other foreign countries, according to the New York Times. Also, according to the Times, Jack Smith subpoenaed the Trump Organization's real estate licensing records to determine whether there is a connection between Trump's overseas business deals and the presidential records he stored at Mar-a-Lago. In other words, they want to see if President Trump was doing things improperly in favor of making money overseas. Exactly what Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are guilty of. Remember, Saul Alinsky playbook, rules for radicals, you go after your opponent for what you are actually guilty of. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Also being reported, federal prosecutors overseeing the investigation to former President uh, Donald J. Trump's handling of classified documents have issued a subpoena for information about Trump's business dealings in foreign countries since he took office. The subpoena was drafted by Special Counsel Jack Smith, and they're asking for the information that I told you about the aforementioned countries. The Trump Organization swore off any foreign deals while he was in the White House, and the only such deal Mr. Trump is known to have made since he was at the White uh, House was with a Saudi-based real estate company to license its name to a housing hotel and golf complex that will be built in Oman. He struck that deal last fall just before announcing his third presidential campaign. So there's no there there. The push by Mr. Smith's prosecutors to gain insight into the former president's foreign business was part of a subpoena previously reported by the New York Times that was sent to the Trump Organization and sought records related to Mr. Trump's dealings with a Saudi-backed golf venture known as LIV Golf, which is holding tournaments at some of his golf clubs. Now, of course, President Trump is in the real estate business. He's got golf clubs. He's got hotels. He's got resorts. Can someone please ask the DOJ why the Biden family has been getting millions of dollars, but they don't have any legitimate actual businesses? Of course, we're just talking corruption this entire episode, talking corruption in my uh, previous uh, BCP podcast I did this morning uh, on Rumble and for the BCP podcast uh, network. Make sure that you catch that uh, show. There will be a link to it. If you're watching this on Patreon, there's a link to that Rumble video. If you're watching this on Locals, it's the previous post to this one. And if you're listening to this on the BCB podcast, it's here as well. Corruption, corruption, corruption. 
folks, it is disheartening to see how far America has fallen. And look at Jack Smith. He just looks evil. Does he not? Does he not just look evil? But that's not all the Trump news, folks. Nope. We now have yet more blatant interference via lawfare and these treasonous, traitorous rat bastards in the middle of primary season next year. They know they have no case, but they're going to embroil and take President Trump off of the campaign trail in absolute and actual election interference using the law, using lawfare, and more corruption. Anyway, this is what I'm talking about. Check this out. The former president made a virtual appearance in New York criminal court for the first time since pleading not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. Donald Trump appeared by video at a hearing in his New York City criminal case. He was not required to come to court today, but today he learned that he will be required to be in court uh, perhaps for several weeks beginning March 25th of next year. The whole purpose for this hearing, this virtual hearing, this hybrid hearing, was for Judge Juan Manuel Mershon to instruct Donald Trump on the do's and don'ts of his behavior during the pretrial process. Donald Trump, of course, is known for speaking his mind and going on social media, um, going after people testifying against him, uh, people who have accused him of, of wrongdoing and the like. Um, he's even attacked the judge in this case and some of the witnesses. So Judge Mershon has issued a protective order which says any evidence you receive in the pretrial discovery process, you can't use that to attack witnesses. You can't use that to uh, go on social media and post information about them. That said, the judge uh, made clear this was not a gag order. Donald Trump can still come out, can still go on the campaign trail, can still go on social media and defend himself. Oh, he can go on the campaign trail now, but that's gonna be muddied come, oh, I don't know, next year? right in the middle of the primary race. President Donald Trump's criminal trial in New York will begin in March of next year. So today, Judge Juan Manuel Mershon set a trial date in this hush money case, the first ever criminal case brought against the former president. And he said, Donald Trump, his lawyers, everyone involved needs to cancel any professional and personal obligations they may have for the duration of the trial. The judge setting March 25th 2024 as the start date for that trial. So by that time, at least 25 states, including Georgia, will have already held their presidential primary elections. Now for Trump, that means a criminal trial right in the heart of the presidential primary season that kicks off uh, early next year. Uh, Donald Trump, as he heard this court date, as he heard this uh, instruction from the judge, turned to the lawyer that was sitting by his side, kind of threw up his hands, glowered at the camera, and they conferred for several moments uh, before he turned back to the camera and kept his arms folded for the duration of this hearing. But Trump, who said very little otherwise during this pretrial hearing, uh, appeared frustrated that he would have to be uh, essentially wedded to a courtroom for several weeks uh, during uh, his campaign to retake the White House next year. All by design, blatantly in our face, every single thing. Of course, President Trump is frustrated. Of course he's frustrated. I mean, he knows they're coming after him, and I don't know, that's a whole year from now. Perhaps he was expecting that it would be before then. But no, they're delaying it, folks. It's all hands on deck to keep the people's choice out of the Oval Office because 
He cannot be controlled. Damn it, I am not voting for DeSantis. I'm not voting for Tim Scott. I'm not voting for uh, for Ramosway. I'm not voting for Nikki Haley. I'm not voting for Mike Pence. I want Trump. We wanted Trump in 2020. We've been robbed. And they're doing everything to rob us again. And I'm not going to have it. I'm not voting. If I can't vote for Trump, I'm going to write his name in. I am not voting for anybody but Trump in 2020. And I suggest you do the same thing. Everyone write in Trump if Trump's name is not on the ballot. And it continues the election interference, the election rigging. Goodbye, America. We are nothing but the world's biggest freaking banana republic. Anywho, uh, DeSantis uh, later today, maybe by the time you're watching this, will have officially announced his candidacy with Elon Musk on Twitter during a live event. We'll be interviewing um, Ron DeSantis and he has quite an announcement to make. And we'll be, be the first time that something like this is happening on social media and with uh, real-time questions and answers, uh, not, not scripted. Uh, so it's going to be live and let's let her up. Let's see what happens. So much talk about this, you all know, for months and months and months now. He is set to make this official in a conversation with the owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, tonight. And then from there, of course, launch fully into uh, a presidential primary campaign against a number of Republican rivals, chief among them, the former president, Donald Trump. If there's anything noteworthy to report on the announcement I will cover that uh, tomorrow in that I anticipate this episode will go up about the time that DeSantis makes that announcement. Uh, let me tell you folks right here, I am, um, just so you know, in full disclosure, this is a MAGA channel. This is a Trump train, America First channel. We're not on the DeSantis dinghy. We're not on, uh, we're not on the, the DeSantis ticket at all. I'm voting for Trump, even if I have to write his damn name into and on my ballot. So I'm going to have coverage of DeSantis and others going forward, but it'll be pretty minimal. And generally, if it's you know important that MAGA folk know or it's entertaining or funny or for some other reason, I find that I'll want to cover it. But you're not going to get much DeSantis coverage from me. I'll probably cover it. You know, it is newsworthy to see what. President Trump's number one rival uh, is up to. But once again, a rival that President Trump is trouncing and is actually losing support every single day with every single poll. That's DeSantis. But it will be interesting to see what happens once he officially throws his name in the hat. Now, DeSantis is going to be making that announcement live on Twitter. We also know that uh, Tucker Carlson is going to be having a his new show on Twitter. And since we're talking about Twitter, and that's led us to talk about Tucker Carlson, and we're talking about presidential ambitions, let's answer the question if Tucker Carlson has presidential ambitions. Actually, let's let Tucker Carlson himself answer that question. And now to close out this event, I'd like to call back to the stage my colleague Ben Smith, uh, Semaphore's co-founder and editor-in-chief, and he's going to be speaking with Tucker Carlson, host of Tucker Carlson Tonight on Fox News. Tucker is joining us remotely from New York. Uh, ben, good luck. Now, this is a clip from last year 
in an interview with Semaphore's uh, Ben Smith, in which Tucker Carlson answers the question whether he's interested in running for president. Now, I know this is from last year, but once again, there's a method to my madness. This is a setup. This is a prelude to the Tucker Carlson for President News update that I have for you in just a moment. But I guess, you know, there is, I'm curious about your ambitions. You know, there are friends of yours, the, to the extent you've still got them in Washington, who are, who are talking about your running for president in 2024. And I'm curious what your thought process is around that. I have zero ambition, um, not just politically, but in life. My ambition is to write my script, you know, by 8 p.m. And I'm not just saying that. Ask anyone who works with me or knows me. Um, I'm not. I don't think that way. I don't want power. I've never wanted power. I'm annoyed by things. I want them to change. But I've never been motivated by a desire to control people. I despise the libertarians, but my instincts are almost all libertarian in that way. And that, that's true. So is that that's a, um, you're not running? I'm not running. I, you know, the, um, <laughs> I don't want to belabor that one. The, I, um, and I enjoy my job, by the way. And I... You know, it's uh, you, you, what a blessing it is to say what you really think. Like, only women can get pregnant. I dare you, you to say you, that. You, now, all of this has been confirmed by Harmeet Dillon, Tucker Carlson's attorney, uh, the famous Harmeet Dillon. Richard Moorhead over at the Western Journal. Tucker Carlson is making himself clear in a letter to a political action committee fundraising in his name. He isn't running for president in 2024. The conservative media personality sent a cease and desist letter to the Draft Tucker Political Action Committee, a copy of which was obtained by Mediaite at the start of the week. Harmeet Dillon, a lawyer representing Carlson, directed the PAC to cease any and all fundraising with the premise of his presidential campaign. Quote, it has come to Mr. Carlson's attention that you are soliciting contributions and donor contact information from the public by representing that the funds will be used to draft Mr. Tucker to run for president in 2024, the letter said. Mr. Carlson will not run for president in 2024 under any circumstances, and therefore your misrepresentations are damaging to Mr. Carlson and defrauding his supporters, she wrote. Always people running some kind of scam. Always people running some type of scam. Now, of course, from the biggest scams are the mismanagement of taxpayer funds by the federal government. The federal government that overspends, overtaxes, and then when they continue to overspend, they want to raise more taxes and raise the debt ceiling. Stocks hit session lows after Speaker McCarthy's latest comments on the debt ceiling. McCarthy saying talks are still hung up on baseline spending. So are we really anywhere close to a deal? Let's get to Kayla Talashi. She is at the White House. The answer is no, they're not any closer to a deal. Negotiators spoke by phone last night. They're meeting just across the way from where I am right now. That meeting started at noon. And despite the fact that negotiators are now on the different end of Pennsylvania Avenue, they're pretty much stuck in gear. And that is this dispute over over what spending levels for the next two years should look like. The White House proposed freezing spending levels essentially at the last fiscal year and then a slight decrease for the next two years. Republicans say no, the freeze is not good enough. It needs to be cut even further. So that has been the position for the last several days. And even despite Speaker McCarthy leaving the White House on Monday and saying it was the most positive meeting he's had yet, he is still not entirely optimistic 
about how this is going to go. And when asked what Republicans were prepared to offer in the way of concessions at today's meeting, here's how the speaker answered. I'm willing to make America stronger, to curve inflation, less dependency on China, and spend less than we spent the year before. So essentially, that is our plan is the plan. And just last night, when other Republicans who are part of these negotiations were asked what Republicans would concede, they said the debt ceiling. Raising the debt ceiling is what Republicans will do in exchange for Democrats cutting spending. And the battle continues between Kevin McCarthy and the House Republicans that have said, hey, look, we've got a, a solution to this. But it includes cutting back on costs. Well, not everyone is a fan of that. And some people are saying some, I don't know, insurrectionist type language. But of course, it'll never be seen that way because it's coming from a Democrat. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is, it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. But if the president agrees to spending caps or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety programs. It's going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. CNN pushing uh, fake news there with a question to AOC. The Republicans are not saying that there has to be work requirements for people to receive Medicare and Social Security. That's what he's referring to. Fake news as always. And we could thank CNN for making sure that we always have plenty of fake news to debunk. But of course, the hot potato in all of this that has even some of you, I've read your comments, worried about this, are Social Security and Medicare checks being sent out. You saw there on the calendar, there's just about a week left before that June 1st X date that the Treasury Secretary has identified as when the real pain begins, when Treasury will have to make choices about how to prioritize some of its bills, which it's never done before if there's not a deal that's been reached. It's a matter of priorities. They're fearing, uh, fear-mongering Medicare and Social Security recipients saying there won't be any money to pay that if they don't reach a deal. But do you think they're going to stop all the spending to help those illegal aliens come in and get resettled? All right, folks, we got a lot of news on our radar. Today and tomorrow, we will be back. Appreciate you being here. Big hug to all of y'all. We appreciate your support. You are what makes the BCP Unfiltered show possible. We know this. We appreciate it. And if you want to help us anymore and also show the world where you get your news from, pick up some merch, whether it's one of these great mugs or t-shirts, hoodies, etc. The link is down below. And don't forget to also support Juniorette and Junior on their YouTube channel, Nothing But The News. That's still going strong. Gotta give us what we want. Uh, gotta give us what we need.